0: This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome to the Diabetes Knowledge and Practice podcast, your bi-weekly source of news, views and updates in diabetes care. Today's episode is supported by an educational grant from Novo Nordisk, who has had no influence on the content or choice of faculty. As always, I'm James Bannister.
1: And I'm Emma Phillips.
0: This session, we will be discussing dyslipidemia and its relevance to diabetes management. Joining us today will be our guest speaker, Professor Alberico Catapano, who will provide us with his views on dyslipidemia and how to improve patient outcomes in the clinic.
1: If you're already familiar with recent studies, do feel free to skip ahead to the expert interview.
0: So dyslipidemia refers to the imbalance of one or more kinds of fat within the bloodstream. It is characterized by elevated levels of low-density lipoprotein, or LDL, and a simultaneous decrease in high-density lipoprotein, or HDL. Dyslipidemia enhances the deposition of these fats in the arteries, i.e. atherosclerosis. The subsequent buildup of fatty plaque causes restriction of the arterial lumen and obstructs blood supply. This process can lead to serious cardiovascular complications, including stroke, transient ischemic attack. Coronary artery disease, and pulmonary embolism. Dyslipidemia commonly co occurs with diabetes, and both are key risk factors for cardiovascular disease, particularly atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease or ASCVD. All recent guidelines emphasize the importance of lowering LDL levels in order to prevent ASCVD, particularly the 2019 ESC guidelines on diabetes, prediabetes, and cardiovascular disease. In these guidelines, dyslipidemia is one of many other risk factors that constitute the total cardiovascular risk of an individual. With this in mind, the guidelines highlight the importance of holistic management as well as individualized treatment of patients in order to reduce cardiovascular disease risk. These recommendations include individualized lipid targets and treatment with statins and or PCSK9 inhibitors.
1: Along with pharmacological treatment, lifestyle intervention is a crucial factor in effective management of patient lipid profiles. In a cardiovascular health study by Mozafarian and colleagues conducted in 2016, modifying diet by reducing consumption of foods such as red meats, refined carbohydrates, and salt, as well as increasing consumption of fruit, non-starchy vegetables, nuts, fish, and other foods typical of the so-called Mediterranean diet, were shown to be associated with lower incidence of cardiovascular events. Another trial looking at the effect of a Mediterranean-style diet on incidence of cardiovascular events, the PREDIMED study, patients following such a diet were found to have have a significantly lower incidence of major cardiovascular events, around 30% less, compared with those who are on a low-fat diet. These studies offer a partial insight into the type of diet that can improve lipid management strategies for reducing cardiovascular risk in people with diabetes. More specifically, ESC guidelines advise increasing physical activity and reducing excessive body weight and intake of alcohol, carbohydrates, and most fats.
0: In terms of pharmacological management, the ESC guidelines recommend specified targets depending on the level of cardiovascular disease risk. For people with type 2 diabetes with high or very high cardiovascular risk, ESC guidelines recommend a lower LDL cholesterol target of below 1.8 and 1.4 millimoles per litre, respectively, and a reduction of total lipids of at least 50%. For patients with moderate cardiovascular risk, the guidelines recommend a less stringent target of below 2.6 millimoles per litre. For patients with ASCVD that experience a second cardiovascular event within two years and taking the maximum tolerated dose of statin therapy, ESC guidelines recommend an LDL cholesterol target of below 1.0 mmol per litre. In a meta-analysis by the Cholesterol Treatment Trialist Collaboration in 2010, more intensive therapy reduced non-fatal cardiovascular events in patients with and without diabetes and receiving statins. Based on these results, the ADA 2019 guidelines recommend high-intensity statin therapy for all patients with diabetes and established ASCVD. For patients where ASCVD is present and statin therapy is insufficient, both ESC and ADA guidelines recommend the addition of non-statin therapies such as ezetimibe or a PCSK9 inhibitor.
1: Ezetimibe is an oral drug that functions by limiting dietary cholesterol absorption and the reabsorption of bile cholesterol by blocking the protein responsible for the transportation of cholesterol in the small bowel. This causes the liver to increase its efforts to take more LDL cholesterol out of the blood. A recent meta-analysis conducted by Vavlukis and Vavlukis reported that the addition of azetamide to statins increased LDL-C lowering to between 34 and 61%. Meanwhile, PCSK9 inhibitors function by inhibiting the enzyme that degrades LDL receptors in the liver cells. By inhibiting PCSK9, this drug class encourages recycling of LDL receptors, increasing the rate at which liver cells absorb and process LDL cholesterol. In the Odyssey DM insulin trial, alirostumab compared with placebo reduced LDL by 50% in insulin-treated patients with type 1 or type 2 diabetes and high cardiovascular risk after 24 weeks of treatment. In the Fourier trial compared to placebo, PCSK9 inhibitor evolocumab significantly reduced the risk of cardiovascular events, while lowering LDL levels among patients with ASCVD and high LDL levels on statin therapy. Similar results were obtained for the ODYSSEY outcomes trial, which randomly assigned patients with CVD and LDL of greater than 1.8 millimoles per liter, despite high-intensity statin therapy to aliroshimab or placebo, with dose titration of the active drug targeting an LDL level of 0.6 to 1.3 millimoles per liter.
0: So, guidelines are clear on what targets to set and which drug classes should be used. But how do these translate into real-world practice? Joining us this week is Professor Alberico Catapano to discuss his clinical experience in managing dyslipidemia.
1: So thank you so much for joining us today. Firstly, do you have any top tips for our audience on how they can help their patients achieve their lipid targets?
2: well uh, as uh, we all know lipid targets uh, have been uh, uh, modulated uh, in most recent guidelines uh, uh, for dyslipidemia uh, uh, especially in diabetes uh, the goals that have been set now are more intensive as compared to the previous ones and requires much attention however the classification of risk for diabetic patients has also been taken into consideration there will be essentially two populations there of diabetics. One will be the one with higher risk, very high risk, who have also organ damage and a lengthy uh, duration of the disease. And the second one are the youngest one with uh, no organ damage and with less lengthy disease. Uh, The point is also there is a second goal that people uh, should take into account, and that's a 50% reduction at least. So uh, actually there are, dual goals there. For the very high-risk people, the goal that is set is an ambitious one that is uh, below 1.4 millimole or 1.5 uh, 55 milligrams per deciliter. And uh, this goal is has to be coupled with the 50% reduction and fits with the patient that's very high risk. And those patients at very high risk are the ones who have a lengthy disease, so several years, Uh, uh, linked with the presence of organ damage for the diabetic patients.
1: Thank you very much. That was really interesting. Uh, Secondly, what are the side effects associated with using statin therapy and what symptoms should patients be aware of?
2: Uh, about the fear the effect of, of statins on safety, uh, especially for diabetics, uh, there are a couple of things that needs to be clarified. The first one, the overall safety profile of statins is quite good as provided by evidence from a randomized clinical trial. Uh, muscle effects are present, as also as a more increase in glycemia, especially with high intensity statin. However, uh, one point needs to be addressed. Startings help the transition uh, from patients who have a pre-diabetic condition with a small increase in glycemia into the diabetic condition, uh, which is the definition uh, by numbers. Uh, there is a threshold there, yet the actual amount uh, of glycemic increase is very low. Second, uh, the benefit in terms of spared events, cardiovascular events as compared to the possible unproven damage uh, by a small increase of glycemia uh, is by far uh, superior. So Uh, the benefit should not be questioned. Finally, uh, more recent data indicate that uh, the transition that occurs upon uh, uh, starting treatment in diabetics is just one year as an average before the transition that naturally occurs in people if untreated. So it's just one year longer exposure to slightly increase glycemia level. All in all, therefore, the benefit cannot be questioned. Statin will reduce dramatically the cardiovascular events in diabetic patients.
1: Thank you. And finally, if a patient is unable to tolerate high-intensity statin therapy, how would you modify your treatment strategy to adapt to this?
2: In clinical practice, although, as I said, from randomized clinical trials, there is not much of an evidence for a number of the side effects reported, however, uh, we can find through patients who cannot tolerate high dose of a statin, as high intensity statin. Uh, therefore, there are two obvious pathways. The first one is, A, reduce the dose of a statin to a level that is acceptable to the patient. The second is to change the statin. However, in both instances, uh, the goal set for uh, the starting treatment and the epidemic treatment may not be reached, especially when we speak about very intensive goals like the 55 uh, milligram per deciliter in very high uh, the risk diabetic patients. And in this instance, uh, combination therapy with uh, ezetimibe at first sight and Possibly, with the PCSK9, in, even after uh, yeah, using a zetamib combination, the goal cannot be reached, is something that uh, we should consider. And that's the pathway we use follow with about our patients.
1: Okay, thank you for your time, Professor Katapane.
0: This brings us to the end of another episode. To summarize, small, sustainable changes in diet can lead to significant improvements in blood lipids and cardiovascular risk. New guidelines recommend more intensive lipid targets and management programs, and a range of pharmacological options are now available to assist patients in meeting these targets.
1: If you'd like to hear more from us on the latest developments in diabetes, you can subscribe to the podcast across all major apps or stream individual episodes from our website. If you found this episode useful, please leave us a review or tweet us at at @dkipractice. You can also access our free accredited CME content at knowledgeandpractice.eu. Thank you for joining.
0: We look forward to joining you again in two weeks' time, where we will be discussing retinopathy and ways to help protect your patient's eyes from diabetes-related damage.